again, back to kind of a retail environment type thing. When you walk in and somebody acknowledges that you're there versus walking in and standing at a counter with somebody that's obviously finishing up a job but doesn't even acknowledge your presence, I mean, that's a very different consumer experience. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operation. My name is Sagi. I'm the CEO and founder of Tonkin. And today, I have the pleasure to host Mike Miller, the COO of Advisors Excel. Hey, Mike. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm very intrigued by your background and what your company is doing. And we always love to see different backgrounds and how people get to operations. But maybe you can start with a few words on, on your background and, and what your company is doing. Yeah, it's kind of a unique route for me to this role. I got my degree in finance and basically started right into, you know, more of the manufacturing side of the world with operations and finance and stuff. Spent 20 years in that career before then switching to financial services in 2013. And, you know, was really, I guess, pleased to find out that a lot of the knowledge and the, the things that I'd picked up in the manufacturing world were really able to translate into this world. It is a higher volume business at this point. So, you know, a lot of the things that I use in, in manufacturing operations, theory constraints, things like that, apply at the same level here. So that's kind of a unique background to, to get me from one industry to the other. And then a little bit about Advisors Excel. So we work with independent advisors, financial advisors all over the country in several different ways. We're basically a product distributor for insurance products. So that's annuities, life insurance, and Medicare supplement contracts. But then we also run an asset management platform. We're a registered investment advisor with the SEC. And those same advisors that you know sell the insurance products, they're holistic advisors. So they use both insurance and wealth management products to serve their clients' needs. So we provide an asset management platform and product access, access to third-party money managers and things like that to that side of the business. But then kind of the unique thing and, and kind of why I fell in love with this business is beyond that product and stuff like that, we're really focused on trying to help independent business owners. So we've surrounded them with radio and TV and websites and PR campaigns and a number of things as a small business owner that you're trying to keep in line and trying to help grow your business. So our focus is really on growing the advisor's business and creating what we call the ultimate client experience for them. Well, that is fascinating, the correlation between those different industries and ended up creating those type of experiences or offering at scale for a lot of different businesses and a lot of different clients. What do you consider as ultimate client experience? Like, What is that actually comes down to? Well, I guess the fascinating part to me is I'm very operational. I like things in in a certain way and manageable and operationalized, you can't really operationalize the ultimate client experience. What you have to do is basically be able to identify opportunities to go above and beyond for your clients and, you know, just to create an atmosphere for them where they truly feel like their, their needs are understood and their needs are met. But then we go above and beyond those things. So there, there's so many different ways to do it. So as a company, we give everybody in the organization a budget every month to spend money on our on our advisors. So, but it can't be just send them a gift card for their birthday. It can be through a conversation with an advisor, you find out they're going to become a grandparent for the first time, 
or they got a new puppy or, you know, just whatever. I mean, good things and bad things, but in some cases we spend a little bit of money on that to kind of recognize that for them, you know, send them a little gift or something. In other instances, it's just, you know, how we react to what they're telling us and what we're doing for them. So it doesn't always have to be personal either. It can be something business related where they're calling in for a very specific issue or reason that they need help. And we're able to look down the road for them and identify some other things that are going to help them basically be more efficient with what they're doing for their clients and, you know, kind of give them a heads up with how a certain custodian works or how a certain insurance carrier or product works or something like that. So, you know, really it's become more training our our associates to be able to look down the road and, and see those opportunities for advisors and what we can do to really help them with that. Something very interesting that you kind of threw out there as part of this, you came from manufacturing and you very operational mind that you care about things, you know, done in a certain way. And then through, you know, the experience of the client, you mentioned something I really liked, which is also not only, you know, giving them gifts or or making them feel good, but also like finding opportunities to help them be more efficient. Let's unfold that a little bit because I think we all understand the fact that Different size companies, different industries, different scenarios require, you know, different muscle that is not necessarily applicable across muscle of operations, I mean. But at the same time, we're all people and we're all working with other people and we're all selling or providing services and are receiving services and trying to get to a goal. Like it's all at its fundamentals the same. What are the, you know, maybe most repeatable or replicable concepts that you kind of carry with you that you feel made you successful in your in your role or in general your go-to if if you will efficiency and operations yeah so basically i've had to kind of grow into this role coming from manufacturing i mean we were outsourcing things all over the world and stuff to save a nickel and to be competitive and i spent about 14 years in the consumer packaged goods business where it was reverse auctions with big retailers and stuff like that. And I mean, margins were very tight and you you had to be efficient to survive. And it's not that tight in this industry to start with, but I just became so operational and efficiency and cost savings minded that that's, that's the lens I look at everything through. So it took me a while in this position to understand that in some cases you're doing things that are fly directly in the face of being efficient to be more personal, to be more effective, to be more relationship driven. And, you know, that that was a new concept for me, honestly, after 20 years in manufacturing. But it's being able to see when that's appropriate and when it's not. So maybe to give you an example, if you go to a retail store and you're seven back in line to check out and you're fine being patient while the clerk checks out those seven people, you're not fine if the clerk is basically there chatting up a friend for 15 minutes while you're waiting in line. That's appropriate when there's not a line behind that person. That's not appropriate when they're seven deep. And so it's really training people to see those opportunities and know when the right right time to act is and the right time not to act. It's funny. I told you this is one of the things I want to talk about, but I find it really hard to explain. It's a really unique thing where you know, you're just trying to find opportunities and inherently know where to take those things for people. But it's a very relationship-driven business. It's a very service-related business. So, you know, it really starts with hiring a service-minded person. 
Chick-fil-A is one of my favorite companies. I always like to refer to them. I mean, in the fast food industry, to get service like that and to get smiles on people's face behind the counter is amazing to me. I mean, they do a fantastic job at it. You know, that would even count as the ultimate client experience when you're buying a chicken sandwich. I think efficiency or sort of operation excellence sometimes is thought as sort of like the math of it, the very, like you said, like nickel and dime and margin calculation and, you know, how do we get to our the desired outcome in the leanest, mm-hmm. most efficient way, while the relationship side of things, a lot of times is considered an art more than a science, more than the math, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's the and, soft and skills, really. Exactly, the soft skills, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I personally honestly believe that those are really two separate things. For some reason, popular culture or whatever made us think about it as two different, you're either this or that. You're either capable of being in an engineer mindset, but then there's no way you're friendly. And then, or you're super (laughs) friendly and you can smile, but then it means that you're by definition inefficient and chatty. And I think, you know, your example in the fast food industry I think it's more than that, that it's possible to create both culture and an operation, you know, manifest where it's balanced both, but it's almost like necessary if you want to be ahead or stay ahead. I think especially, and I kind of want to hear your thought about it, especially with the changes in consumer dynamics, in knowledge workers, in, you know, with the last few years of just retail specifically but also generally just the working environments of you know you're talking to me right now from an office it looks like you know right. i sit in my home those are different from where we are but that's definitely was very different from where it was two plus years ago before before the pandemic so anyway i've been saying a lot of different points but i think basically where i'm getting at is i think that balance is maybe what you're trying to say is that that client experiences is the combination of being nice and being smiling and, and personal, but being efficient, almost like have the right context to know what to do when. Right. You do have to have both. And I totally agree that the dynamic has changed drastically just in the past two years. You know, I almost feel like the bar has been lowered from a service standpoint as to what the level of service is in multiple different businesses today. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. Do you think it's an excuse or do you think it, it's valid? Sometimes it feels like I completely relate to that feeling, but I always wonder if it's a result of it is harder to provide the same level of service versus it's almost like sometimes an excuse to, you know, that you can get away with it. Right. I think it's an excuse because I don't think it takes a lot more to provide that level of service. I mean, Again, back to kind of a retail environment type thing. When you walk in and somebody acknowledges that you're there versus walking in and standing at a counter with somebody that's obviously finishing up a job but doesn't even acknowledge your presence. I mean, that's a very different consumer experience. 
I mean, now that's different than what we do. I just think it's more relatable for everybody rather than talking about financial services and kind of what we do with advisors. But again, I think you almost need to train that into people. We we work with an awful lot of our staff is basically very young. So they call me grandpa. So and have since I was 46. <laughs> but anyway, the way service has gone in general in the world is basically just kind of dumbed down the expectation and made us lazy as the way we deal with people. And that has to be top of mind for an organization if you're going to build that into your culture and into your service model. And so for us, and for me, it was actually very easy because the founders of this company are very, very focused on this client experience and on making sure that we we maintain that relationship with our advisors and basically help them grow their business. That's That's our ultimate goal is to help them succeed as business owners. They're very good financial planners. We work with, you know, the top ones in the, in the country. So they've been successful at, at the ability to acquire clients and grow assets and stuff. But being a business owner encompasses a whole lot more than that. And so to be able to support them in those things that, you know, maybe aren't their core strength is, is very key. I think I might throw out one other thing. So just. As I started with this company, I've been here nine years now, but I don't think I've ever been in a meeting where we talk about a new service or a new product or a change in process or anything where the first question is not, how does it impact the advisor? And if the impact of the advisor is not positive or at least neutral, that project doesn't even get discussed. And I'm sure you've been in businesses too, where you always talk about the client and doing what's in their best interest and stuff. But those things get lost so quickly in other businesses when you're trying to basically operationalize and create efficiencies. And, you know, to be that committed to the client experience and stuff has been kind of a breath of fresh air for me. It's a really cool environment. As a COO in this organization, what is your take on some of the things? How do you balance where sometimes maybe there's a there's an obvious efficiency gain, but that might require a temporary versus a long it won't have a long-term effect on your clients, but it might have a temporary effect. Any sort of things like that, or just more color into kind of how you think about your role in this in, in this type of environment. Well, I think my my role first and foremost is to basically look at what the day-to-day experience is for our clients a year from now and two years from now, and and be able to empower my frontline managers and and my VPs and stuff to take care of today's experience. But you've got to look at the longer term impact of what you're doing. So, you know, and I won't tell you we haven't made changes that, you know, created some some issues for advisors and some changes that were somewhat painful for them. But, you know, the most recent example is some compliance changes that we had to make, you know, due to the regulatory environment. And and it put more on the on the plate of the advisor to, to get some things done. But that's in their best interest. That's helping them run their business, you know, in a compliant manner that's not going to get them in trouble with the SEC or with FINRA or, you know, one of those regulatory bodies. And so we have to make what is the best long-term decision. And, you know, you you have to be willing to put up with some short-term pain. But you also, even when you make that decision, it's got to be with the advisor's best interest in mind. So it's not you know, this is the way it has to be because you, you know, a year from now, you're going to, you're going to thank me for it. It's going to be, let me help you get through this change and let me support you through this change and let me educate you and let me help you with materials for your client to understand why this is happening and, 
and things like that. So even when it is, you know, a painful environment, we try to remove as much of that as possible. And that's kind of top of mind for me. And, and like I say, that was a, that was a change in my mindset. And it truly is very intuitive for me right now to ask what is the advisor experience in this case with everything that we talk about. You talk about the change as well. And in some of the previous episodes, I talked with several leaders from you know different industries about that concept of the end-to-end experience. And it's so interesting because it, in their cases, it wasn't actually, you know, in your case, advisor or client experience. It was internal stakeholders experience. But you can literally take what you said, you know, and change that word and it would be so, so, so similar and so aligned. And I personally, you know, have a concept that been developing, we call people first process design, which is basically like when you think about a change, when you think about an improvement, when you think about introducing, whether it's innovation or like you said, sometimes it's compliance and sometimes it's mandating a, a policy that is actually going to help you in the long term. A lot of times we think about it from the company or the organization ROI, so like the long-term return over investment for the entity, if you will, and not enough thinking about the individual, again, in your case, the advisor or the client, are what I call personal ROI. Right. Like how does you know, balancing the sort of like that long-term with the experience, what are some of the methods maybe you guys you know have used to maybe help guide some of those clients where, where maybe your expertise and, and experience into this is what will help you, like you said, in a year, two years from now. Although I know you underwater with the quarantine, you still need to invest in it. How do you guys go about helping bridge those those gaps or managing those change? So during COVID, we put into place what we called a, a stimulus. We had a nice name for it. I don't remember exactly what it was. But basically what we were doing was we were paying for marketing for our advisors. So, you know, they're generally marketing that to gain new clients and stuff for for their business. And we're trying to support them in that role. But we worked with some of our vendors and stuff like that. So digital marketing, social media marketing, you know, even direct mail marketing things and stuff like that to have them, you know, participate with us. And we were able to deliver a stimulus package for the advisor to help to help stimulate their business and the growth of their business, even through a very difficult time which wasn't a big leap because we do the same thing in in normal course of business. We've done that well before 2020 and in trying to make deals on behalf of our advisors. So again, that's marketing organizations, that's you know compliance organizations that are going into these individual RIA offices and helping them get compliance in place. We've got a team of coaches that are out on the road that are going into advisor offices and trying to help them, you know, with any number of things. It can be you know, hiring, it can be process organization operations, it can be marketing, it can be, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so we just try to, again, surround those guys, guys and gals, basically with with all the resources that we can provide them. And because we're at scale, we can generally make larger deals with PR companies and things like that and pass along those savings and and get smaller, you know, more community-based advisors connected into Fox business and things like that, where it would have been a harder and more expensive road for them to do it. So that's one of the main things. Actually, when you started talking about the people ROI, I kind of thought you were talking about employees, 
because it, it's really kind of a, a three-legged stool for us. It's we focus on advisors, we focus on our employees, and we focus on the community. And we don't do a lot around really strict ROI management and things like that when we consider projects. We consider the impact of those three things with if we take care of that, the business will take care of itself and grow. Yeah, I love that. I was actually talking about employees and I was trying to kind of see if it fits to the to the clients too. But I like that that three-legged approach, if you will. I think that's a great advice. So I think to deliver this experience to our advisors, the first thing we have to do is basically have employees that are bought in and happy and, you know, feel supported and, and celebrated. And, you know, we do a really good job of basically highlighting those things that people do for our advisors and highlighting the, you know, the above and beyond type work. We have a daily email that goes out that recognizes things that, you know, there's a number of different things on it, but um, kind of recognizes people for what they're doing. We also have a a weekly kind of shout out where advisors have given somebody kudos or you're giving somebody on your team kudos and stuff like that. And that's for the, the entire organization to see. We do a monthly rock star award where employees are up on stage receiving an award from the, from the founders of the company and stuff. So we really try to celebrate those things and recognize people for doing, you know, what really makes the business differentiated in my opinion. I love that. I feel like you guys really take it on all the different levels, you know, the recognition. I think it's, I think it's ex- extremely important. Well, there's some great advice here and, and I think great examples of, of practical ways to go about it. So I thank you for that. I think, I think we're about time, but if someone, you know, want to talk more about this and kind of reach out to you, are you available in LinkedIn? Is it Twitter? LinkedIn and it's got my it's got my advisor's Excel email in the contact there, so they could get a hold of me that way. It'd probably be the easiest way to go about it. Awesome. I love to talk um, operations with folks. And yeah, like I say, it's been such a journey for me, kind of a change. I'd, you know, be more than happy to talk to anybody about it. That's great. I hope that someone will take you up on this. Mike, thank you so much for your time. I feel like I learned something. So I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And uh, great job with the podcast. Keep up the great work. We needed all the all the support we can get. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.